Yo, what's up? It's Greg Santos. Welcome to episode 443 of CEO Life. You are the CEO of your life, whether you want to be or not. It's been a fucking crazy week. You know, I've been diving really deep into myself and my own psyche. I picked up this book called In the Realm of Hungry Ghosts by Dr. Gabor Mate. And I've been really on this internal quest for for peace and to really feel comfortable in my own skin. And this book is all about addiction because of a very addictive personality. And you know, I questioned why I had an addictive personality for a while. And then I found that people who have addictive personalities, usually addiction stems from trauma and addiction necessarily isn't a problem. It's a solution to a problem, whether you're not feeling worthy or you're feeling like you don't deserve love or you feel like shit, whatever it is, your addiction soothes that at least temporarily it helps you forget that and not live in that emotional state that you're looking to resist at the present moment and in that book dr gabor mate had talked about how you know he has survived the holocaust he i think um i think hitler was invading hungary in 1944 and at the time his mom was very stressed and he said that he cried a lot because his mom was very stressed the environment was very stressed and during the first year of his life where his brain is forming a bunch of connections about what what the world is like and, and navigating he doesn't he can't make any sense of it right but your your brain is fresh it's absorbing the information and all this stuff of what's going on and it's in this stressful world well, you know, you're you're going to develop differently than someone who comes into a very stable environment, filled with love, filled with care, filled with, you know, plenty of attention from your mother and your father. It's completely different. So, with my story coming from domestic violence, dad went to prison four times, all the all the shit that I've gone through, I'm very grateful for it. It's made me a lot stronger it's given me a tremendous perspective on life and i also feel like it's given me a tremendous advantage socially i feel like it's given me an advantage in terms of having a strong mind and of course there's some drawbacks to it but nonetheless i mean what, what i mean what can you do i can't just go back and fucking change anything but even if i and I, and I would say this, even if I could change something, I'd actually make it a little bit harder because the shit that I went through has built me to who I am today. But I had this realization when he was talking about his first year of life. It made me think about my own first year of life. You know, my uncle, my mother's older brother, had died of AIDS two months before I was born. So imagine that. Imagine being pregnant and your sibling dies of AIDS. That's harsh. Keep in mind, my mom was like 33 when she was pregnant with me. So she had a good 33 years with, you know, her brother by her side. On top of that, my dad got sentenced to two years in prison while she was pregnant with me. And apparently my dad was really putting my mom through it during her pregnancy where he didn't have a job. He would leave the house for extended periods of time and he would come back looking disheveled like his face would be like dirty and like just look like what the hell are you doing? And my mom knew he was going out and doing some gang or some kind of criminal shit, but he wouldn't say what he was doing. Until eventually he got caught doing whatever he was doing and 
got sentenced to prison for two years. So while my mom was pregnant with me, they moved from Long Beach, California down to Moreno Valley, California, which is the neighboring city to Riverside, California, which is where I live today. My mom still worked in downtown LA, which is an hour and 15, maybe an hour and a half away drive. So now she has to commute an hour and 15 minutes or an hour and a half drive to work five times a week. So think about that kind of situation that I'm being born into. My mom now has to take care of three kids by herself. Her brother just died. Her husband just got sentenced to prison. And she has to drive an hour and a half away, five days a week, in order to get to work. And an hour and a half back. And it could be even more to get back because of traffic from L.A. So think about the environment that I grew up in. But not only that, I think when I was around this age, I'm not sure at what point this happened, And how frequent it happened. But apparently when my older sister would babysit me. She's 12 years older than me. That because I cried a lot. Growing up in this stressful environment. I cried a lot. And my older sister would have to watch me. And I would cry and cry and cry and cry. And she really didn't know how to handle that. So you know what she did? She just locked me in the room by myself. And just cried out. So think about that. As a baby, as I'm forming new connections about what the world is like, I I sense tremendous stress in the environment. My mom was probably crying a bunch, you know, from her husband, from my dad and, you know, her brother, all that stuff. And then um, as I'm crying for help as a baby looking for some attention, looking for affection, I don't get it. I'm by myself. What, what do you think I interpret that as? as a, what do you think a baby interprets that as when they're crying out for help and they don't receive a care and attention? Well, maybe it's feeling of abandonment, um, fear for your life, feeling like you have to scream even louder to get more attention. Now, again, I'm not sure what the timeline was in terms of when my sister would like me in the room by myself, but she did say that at a certain point I was old enough to where I was able to eventually climb out of the window in my parents' room and I'd be in the backyard either playing around or look or, you know, at the back door, like waving to get in. And and yeah, and then when I then when my younger sister was was born, I, I definitely you know I, I I didn't want a younger sister. As a matter of fact, when it was time for my dad to go pick up to t- for me and my dad to go to the hospital to pick up my little sister and to visit, I was three years old, and I I peed on my sister's car seat before we left. I was like, no, I don't know, I don't want I don't want her. And then. You know, a lot of attention went to my younger sister, and I even had a babysitter. So I started going to elementary school in East LA, and I had a babysitter who really loved my younger sister. She loved her like her own child. Like, it seemed like whenever we would get to the house, she would be so happy as if she just saw her daughter walk in the door. And then uh, with me, I always wanted that same attention. Always wanted that same, like, like, because she lit up. She was just so happy to see my sister. But she was never as happy to see me. And I wish she was. I wish she did. I remember feeling like that. Like, I want her to feel that way about me. I want her to light up the way she does when she sees my sister. And you know, I, I would act out a lot as a kid. I was I was a pretty I was a I was a bad kid. Yeah, I mis- I misbehaved. And 
um, I was very troublesome. I was very, very troublesome. As a matter of fact, it's a it's kind of a joke on my family that everybody's kind of surprised that I came out the way that I did because the way I used to behave as a kid, like I would act up like a motherfucker. And this is around elementary school, you know? I think around middle school and high school, I started, I, I calmed down a lot more and I became more um, conflict shy. But definitely as a kid, I I was a fucking handful and I was not, I was always causing some ruckus. And in high school, I, I learned to take my different my difference, which was I was black, a black kid, maybe th- three or four in my high school. And, well, I learned this in middle school as well. Like, I learned to flip that on its head and, and be very humorous about it and joke around about it a lot. And that earned me a lot of popularity. I won class clown. I won prom king in in high school but what I started to learn was to take this I started to learn how to get attention in a better way excuse me and then over time I became very skillful at that I became very good at being able to get the attention of a lot of people I became very good at knowing how to make people laugh. I became really good at telling jokes. I became just fantastic at that. And I was really great with group settings. But I'm telling you, one-on-one terrified me. You talk to any girl that I dated in high school, they would all say, probably probably say the similar things. Like, I was a really weird and strange guy. And, um... I didn't know why I was very, I was, you know, I was very insecure. I, I didn't know why I was, I was weird or strange or, or anything like that. And I knew I was very awkward, which was like shocking to them. Cause it was like, Oh, here's like, this guy's funny. He's popular. And then it's like, Whoa, what the fuck? Like, he's like a really weird dude to actually speak with and spend time with. And, uh, and then of course there's like the other stuff that happened as far as being called nigger, being too afraid to stand up for myself. And, you know, this isn't necessarily a, a, a sob story because what it, it is, the reason why, why I'd say all of this is because it, it shined some light onto me and why is it that I behave in in ways that I've been behaving. So I I learned how to cultivate this mask. I learned how to really cultivate this charisma mask. I, I learned how to really be magnetic and attract attention from people and to get this love and affection from people. And it was a skill. And at this point, I think it's safe to say that I've mastered that skill. But the reality is that is just one part of me. It's not really the full story of me. It's not who I really, really am. And, and thinking about it, with with addiction in this book you know they you know dr gabor mate talks about people have addictions usually because you know it tries to soothe the trauma but addiction serves a purpose in the addict's life the addiction does something for the addict and I've, I've I've just thought about like this addiction to attention, um, addiction to power. You know when I when I ran the morning hustlers, and I was the person who was in the spotlight. I was the person who dictated how things went, how the meetings gone, and I dictated who I wanted to get closer with. I dictated all that stuff, right? And what Morning Hustlers did was it gave me the sense of power and I was addicted to that. And I felt that my worth 
became attached to attention and, and power and success. And that I felt that if I lost some of my power, let's say there was somebody else who was a high quality person who had come up with an idea of some sort or had me think about something different or see us or, or take a specific concept and add on to it in a way that I didn't think to do myself, I would, I would feel a little threatened, but I would always think to myself, Hey, you know what? It's not a big deal, man. Keep your ego in check. It's just your ego. It's all it is. It's just your ego. It's not a big deal. You know, but I think about why is it that I'm I've been obsessed with power. And I think what it was is like being a kid and seeing your mom get beat up and not being able to really do anything about it and just scream and yell dad stop oh my god stop stop dad please stop stop oh my dad please powerless your mom screaming Sister screaming, crying. Just a kid. Watching the person who cares and loves for you get attacked. And there's nothing you can do about it. It's hard, man. That's real difficult. And I think of my addiction to control. And it totally makes sense why I feel this. Because if I can control certain things, you know, don't leave too much room for uncertainty. Then I feel I have this power, but at the same time, I feel like, oh, okay, I feel just like it brings me some kind of, it soothes me inside because when I feel this uncomfortable feeling, that emotion is coming up from, it's an old emotion from childhood. And it's, it's terrifying. My body still reacts to that and it looks for ways to soothe it through addictions and I'm going to reveal something on here today that I've been I've been keeping in the dark for a long time. And I always thought of why is it that people say they feel connected to me? But how come more often than not, like how come I wouldn't feel connected to a lot of the people that I was talking to? Why is it that I go to, um, let's say, a lunch with somebody and we have such a great time and like i am able to have this fucking charisma mask and we get deep and then the person i'm talking to is like on tears showing how much they care for me but on my side i don't feel that same way how come i don't feel that connection to other people and I would look at relationships and I would look at, okay, 
this is what I can get out of that this kind of person. This is the kind of value that this person provides. And this is how this person can help me out in my life. And I looked at relationships from a very transactional perspective and a very scientific perspective where I know that we have what's called our reciprocity bias. I know that if I help somebody accomplish their goals or I can give value to somebody else to help them out, I know human nature that people will feel the need to, to reciprocate. So I would strategically plan and look for ways to get certain things from relationships. And, you know, that's, that's, very, that's very manipulative. You know, it's, it, it, very, it very much so lacks human connection and looking at people as human beings and not looking, for, look, looking at people what they can do for you, but like looking at someone as like a genuine person you do want to build a relationship with. And yeah, it's cool they're doing some things, but you, you really vibe with this person because of who they are, not necessarily of like what they do or what they have. We look at them as just uh, another human being here on this earth that wants love, who wants to have meaning for their life, that wants to feel good about themselves, who wants to lead a life where they feel proud of. But instead, you know, I, I looked at people for as what is it that they can do for me selfishly and what can I do to make it so they would be happy to give me something it's very manipulative um i always just felt like i lacked connection with people but like it was just always surprising me surprising to me like why people felt connected to me and even when people i had People in my morning hostels saying how much they love me and how much they, how much I changed their life. You know, even on my birthday, I had um, a morning hustler put together, you know, a not a really amazing gift for me where we had a bunch of people who are part of the community wish me a happy birthday and how I changed their life. And that was great. It was cool. But, you know, subconsciously, I, I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I felt like a lot of people were just saying the stuff that they were saying. I didn't really believe it. I really didn't feel like it was um it was genuine. And and it has nothing to do with them. It has everything to do with me. And the reason why I didn't feel that way is because deep down subconsciously in my own mind I think how how can this person possibly love me or know or or how can I, like, any of that, right? When, like, I don't even really love myself. When I actually feel deep shame about my real self and who I really am. You know, like, just stuff that I feel like I've been keeping away from the light hiding certain things and uh, just been real, real shameful about it. And it's no wonder why I don't feel connected to a lot of people is because I didn't feel like a lot of people knew the real me. I felt that a lot of people knew, like know a part of me, but it was like an image that I wanted people to see. And I wouldn't want to show my human vulnerable side. To other people. Because I was afraid. And I think. I was mostly afraid of not being accepted because maybe at one point in my childhood 
you know, maybe I just never felt that I was accepted for who I was. I always just felt different. And uh, growing up, maybe different just meant someone who wasn't really, who, someone who stood out, someone who was confusing, someone who, um, I don't know, that I think that people didn't really want to be around and really form a deeper relationship with me. And it was just safe, it was safer to just be funny. It was safer to put on this mask and and be charismatic. It's much safer. I can keep people away from me. I can see that people like this. I can see that people really like this mask that I'm putting up. But but they don't know my struggles. They don't know my my deep emotions. They don't know how I feel about myself. They don't know about like the shame that I carry. And you know, um addiction stems from trauma, right? And there's been an addiction that I've been struggling with for 14 years, since I was 11, 11 years old. In seventh grade. It's a, this damn porn addiction. Just fucking... Watching it, you know, once, you know, sometimes twice a day, just very consistently, pretty much almost, almost every day since I was 11. That's crazy. But like thinking about it, like. You know, porn has been like an easy way out for me. It's been easy to just run to that and keep myself isolated. And it gives me the sense of control, gives me a sense of safety, gives me a sense of security, uh, gives me a sense of escape, um, just positive emotions away from reality. Help me escape these emotional states of boredom or sadness, frustration, um, whatever it is, or just baseline everyday life. But you know, this was a big thing I've been shameful about. I've been keeping it in the dark. And uh, to those who know, like, you know, the people who even know don't even know the extent of it. And, you know, to to sneak around your life to kind of, you know, like to even think about when some when 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 can I go do this? When are the people in the house distracted? When can I, when am I going to be free? When is the best time to do this? And like plotting in my mind, when's the best time to go make that happen? And you know, um, I think it was a good, it was a fantastic way for me to cut off any kind of real kind of connection any kind of willing to be vulnerable, willing to put my heart out there, because it was just it was just easier, you know. It was easier than saying my true thoughts and feelings and risk not being accepted, risk being hurt. 
risk being looked at as weird and strange. It's just easier to not to deal with that. And, you know, um, this hasn't been easy. Just, you know, I'm sharing a lot of stuff that I've been sharing here today. But, you know, I, I care more about honesty at this point. I care more about accepting myself and letting go of people's perspective of me. And just being like, man, you know what? I'm, I'm really just going to be my full self. And those who want to stick around, that's great. For those who have an image of me of how you think I should be, you know, I I was a fucking expert at living up to those images that I felt that people projected on me. People expected me to behave certain ways, which makes sense because I cultivated that myself to gain admiration, to gain power, to gain respect. But, you know, it's really strange when you have... 15 to like 30 people show up to a call to listen to you speak consistently. And it's it's a really weird thing for you to not feel like the people who you're talking to are actually listening. It's a really weird thing when people are actively showing you love and telling you how much you've changed your life and you discount all of it. And that's because you, f- you feel like, how, how can that person really love me? They don't know me. They don't know the shame I, I carry with myself. But the reason why I've been able to share this is because I'm, I'm letting go of that. And um, today I'm, I'm 15 days clean of, of no porn, which is actually a really big accomplishment. It's a really big accomplishment. If you have had a challenge with this addiction before, you know how difficult it is to go 15 days without watching or doing anything, no masturbation or anything like that. I joined a recovery group with other guys who are struggling with the same addiction. And you know what? Um, I'm really grateful for it. It's a it's a good community. I'm around some good dudes. You know, one thing I'm not gonna say obviously obviously I'm not gonna say any names or anything. I'll I'll, I'll give you a peek into what an addiction like this can do for someone's life. A big thing that I recurring thing I keep seeing in people who were users for a long time. I keep seeing stuff like really damaged relationships. I see things like my wife kicked me out of the house. I've been out of the house for 11 months now because I can't seem to kick this addiction. I'm divorced twice. I don't have any children. I'm 40 years old. And I, cause I'm sneaking around and they keep finding out and I can't be honest about my addiction. I can't seem to kick my addiction. I spend time away from my family because of it. And it controls your life. And you know what? When I'm when I was in the cycle, I didn't see how it ruled my life. And what it does is like it it drowns out the voice that says, hey man, we know better. Like we shouldn't be doing this. Like your voice of integrity, your voice of honesty, your voice that knows what's best for you, your your intuition, your gut. You you drown that out. You don't listen to it. So you lose trust with your own word to yourself. And you become much less aware. Of yourself, you become much less so aware of reality because all you care about, I won't say it's not all you care about, but it's a big part of your life. 
But it sucks when like something that's a big part of your life that you just keep in the dark. And you feel such a deep shame for it to where you don't share with anybody. And you, I'm able to wear this mask that people seem to love. And it's great. I'll tell you what. Oh, I can I can fucking talk about goals. I can talk about dreams. I can talk about taking action. I can talk about cool things that are going on. And believe me, we can leave feeling so excited. We can leave feeling like we can accomplish anything. We'll we'll leave the conversation feeling ready, emotions all riled up. And you know, great great job, Greg. You just successfully avoided a, a conversation that could allow for some deep vulnerability and some deep connection. And that was my defense, you know? And at the same time, I, I, I equated a lot of my, my worth to my successes. I equated a lot of my worth to uh, money. I, I equated a lot of my worth to... Um, you know, power, attention, outside validation. But here's the thing: that's like, that's that's straight up significance driven. Just wanting to get more and more and more of that dopamine, and it's a hamster wheel. You'll you'll never. There'll be never there'll be never be enough of that. You have to keep getting those hits over and over and over and over and over again. It's a terrible hamster wheel to be on. And on top of that, it just keeps ramping up. You feel like, oh, now if I do this, if I do this new big thing, then again I'll feel worthy. I'll feel worthy of love and success. Like, or I'll feel like worthy that I am worthy of love. But that that feeling is so short and it's so it's so temporary. Temporary. So you telling me I got to operate from a place of lack and not feeling like I'm enough and not feeling worthy for ninety five percent of my 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 days, just so. F- Five percent of the time, I can feel really good about myself that I accomplished something, and I can share it and get validation. I don't know, man. I don't like that. Um, I also got a therapist. You know that that was a really difficult thing to do. It was a very difficult thing to do. You know, um, I'm a very prideful person. And I just fucking, I just like fucking forced myself to do it. Fucking kicking tooth and nail. I did not want to do it. My ego was like, nope, 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 nope. Don't do that. Don't do that. There was something, there was something prideful in me that, like that liked saying I've never seen a therapist before. But, you know, there's not really something to be proud about. At least for me in my life. You know, I I feel that true strength comes from honesty. Um, true, true strength comes from vulnerability. You know, try not to show people that you're perfect, but but you being okay with your imperfections. And that's how, I, I feel like that's why I'm able to share this, because it's, it's my imperfection, and I'm accepting it. And if I still felt, just uh, deep shame about it. I don't think I, I wouldn't be sharing this today. I'd be talking about something else. I'd definitely be talking about something else. I'm really good at that. And I know my tone right now sounds like maybe somber or I don't know. It doesn't sound like super happy and crazy enthusiastic. But, but this is the real me. This is me not trying to be anybody. This is just who I am. 
And I'm showing more compassion for myself. I'm showing more love for myself. I'm talking to myself better every day. I'm working through just past traumas. I'm working through situations that I go through on a day-to-day basis. I'm just practicing honesty a lot more. And and with that, you know, I wanted to um there there was something that came up especially during the last 2 weeks of my morning hustlers where initially I never felt like this was such a big deal, but I I forgot I forgot why it popped up and I was like you know, Greg, that's not actually not that's not really honest of you saying this. But I kept saying it. And then I thought, hopefully people don't find out about this. And I was like, it'll be my little secret to myself. But it was just it was just eating at me. It was just eating at my mind. And I was like, I gotta say this. So here it is. When I tell my story about my life, there's a part of my story where I say I had a girlfriend who was cheating on me and I knew she was cheating on me, mm-hmm. but I stayed with her because I felt like I can fix her. Well, the reality is she wasn't really my girlfriend. We, we dated pretty seriously. We went on dates all the time. We had sex. We texted all the time. We hung out. We had, you know, we treated each other like a couple, but we didn't really have like the the name on it. We go to Disneyland all the time, all this stuff. But we never had a label. We, we weren't friends with benefits. We weren't boyfriend, girlfriend. I asked her to be my girlfriend at one point and she said, well, you know, we'll see. I forgot what she said. She, I th- No, I think the answer she said was, well, the answer is not no. She goes, well, just hold on for a sec. I was like, okay. And this was like us like fucking, I don't know, eight months in or some shit. And, or I don't I don't really know the exact months, but it was a while. It, it was a while. We've been, we've already been having sex and all this stuff. And, um, and, and according to her, I don't know how truthful this is, but... Um, the night that I decided to to say, you know what, we should just go separate ways. We should end this. This isn't a good idea to keep. You know, we're, I said, I, I remember saying the words. You know, we're two different people. Um, I think she said, I think she said we gotta. She said some some along the lines like we gotta talk or something like that, and I was like, all right, like yeah, I feel it too. Like this is this is it. Like this is the end. I don't think this is a good idea for us to stay together. But apparently, in her head. She apparently was going to drive out to my house and then make it official between us that day. And thank God that I misread. I, I misinterpreted her message. Well, I interpreted it in the way that in my brain where it made sense. Like, oh, okay, yeah, I, I think this is the end. This isn't this isn't working out. And she's like, I was going to go to your, I was actually going to go over and ask, you know, you know, make it official with you. And I was like, really? You were? What? Like, what the? And then like. You know, and then after that, like, it just, like, everything just fell apart. But, but yeah, you know, we treated each other like we're a couple. She was hooking up with other people. Um, but, you know, it, it's not entirely honest. And it's that's a hard thing to say right now because I've said that story, like, hundreds of times. And um, I think it just started gnawing at me just a few weeks ago. And I was hoping, like... Oh man, hopefully like if I get big, hopefully she doesn't go around telling people. But I'm like, you know, I'm I'm just gonna I I can't I can't have that in the back of my mind, you know. I'm I'm tired of manipulating people's perspective perception of me. I'm tired of just showing one dimension of myself and not showing my my full human self. And if you like me. I don't okay cool if you don't like me whatever cool but whether you like me or not doesn't matter I'm I'm working on liking myself 
I'm working on loving myself and and connecting with myself and connecting with that inner voice and and stripping out all the messages in my head that tell me, Greg, in order for you to live a good life, you have to travel the world. Hey, Greg, in order for you to live a good life, you got to be a millionaire. Hey, Greg, in order for you to feel worthy, you got to do this. In order for you to feel worthy of love or, or respect, you got to be this. I'm working, I'm working to just take all that shit out. And and I'm glad I'm, I'm not on social media right now. I'll check my Instagram DMs. And and I'll I'll look up some people on Instagram every now and then, but you know I'm probably spending less than ten minutes a day on Instagram because it's usually just me clicking. I'm like, oh yeah, I follow zero people, yeah, and I just like exit the, the app. But um, some people are like, why don't you just uninstall it? Well, I I check my DMs, but you know the benefit of uninstalling Snapchat, Facebook, TikTok, and um. On following everybody on Instagram is all those messages that get blasted in my brain of who I should be like, how I should behave, how what my life should look like to 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 look good, to be successful. But not only that, man, like even looking at other people on social media and not only comparing comparing and wishing I had something, but also like my ego would be like look at this person and, and look down on somebody else and like would say and like would talk about in my own head like how I'm better than this other person. Like that's not healthy. That's not a healthy thing to immerse myself in where either I'm looking at someone's lifestyle and I, I wish I had it and I'm feeling like jealous and I'm like, oh, okay, like yeah, sure gives me fuel to work harder. Yeah, okay, cool. But you know, only thing I'm looking for really is like, oh, if I get that, then maybe like that success and will give me more respect, will give me more power, will make me feel like I actually finally earned love from people. But it's not really love from other people that I'm searching for. Really, what it is is like, it's really love from myself. That's what it is. But you know what? I don't really even have to accomplish anything to get love from myself. And now come from that perspective, it's like, you know, I listened to this podcast that it was called, it's called The Passion of Few. Where the host's name is Omar. It's a fantastic podcast, by the way. You should listen to it. It's so good. And he interviewed a man named Tim Story. And Tim Story was quoting Jim Rohn. And he said that you don't get paid for what you do. You get paid for who you are. Which is so true if you look at like people that I've invested in, like Derek Moneyberg. It's like, well, what does he do? Like, well, he's a good communications coach. He's a good businessman. Okay, yeah. But a lot of people teach that as well. But like, look at who he is. Like, he's very honest. He's brash. You know, he has strong values. He lives how, you know, lives how, how he wants. Like, I'm investing in him because I want to emulate some parts of that life that's very attractive to me. Think about Tony Robbins. Like... I invest in him because of who he is, like this fucking big man who has this big heart, who's been able to do these amazing things. And if you think about it, it's like with all these marketing messages that get blasted in my head, I, I've lost touch with who I am because my image of success, my image of someone who's worthy of love is are, are this, these, these seeds that have been planted in my brain through posts that I see on social media. And advertisements. And I feel like, oh, in order for me to feel worthy, I got to do that. But you know what? I'm letting go of that. I'm going to live my life how I want to live my life. I'm going to listen to my own voice. I'm going to live honestly. I'm going to live... With full authenticity, accepting my flaws for who I am, and we'll see where that takes me. And from this paradigm, it's a lot more exciting. I feel a lot more alive.
I feel a lot more love. I feel a lot more gra- uh, gratitude. I just feel like I'm on my own path and my own mission for me and nobody else. And it's not these seeds that have been planted in my brain. It's me connecting with my true self. And if I lose relationships because of that, if you listen to this podcast and like, you know what? I don't like the fact that you lied about that girlfriend thing for so long. I, I don't blame you at all. I honestly don't blame you. And you know what? That's okay. I'm not I'm not tripping off that. I'm not. I'm a human. I make mistakes. Um, I forgive myself. And I'm stepping more into my own light. And more healing and, and really having more self-love for myself. Taking care of myself. Connecting more with myself so that I don't look at people as just objects to help me get something for what I want. Connecting with my true self so I can actually form genuine relationships with people. So that I can really, really like have somebody who knows me for who I really am. And someone who actually really loves me for who I am. And I feel like. Uh, this person kind of knows little bits and pieces. I got to keep certain things. That's just manipulation. Not bringing certain things to the surface. Just manipulation. But, again, I'm moving more towards honesty. Uh, I'm doing my best. And uh, I'm grateful to be on the path that I'm on. So, I appreciate you as a listener. I hope to continue to serve you in the way you feel that I serve you. And um, I hope you also listen to your voice inside. I hope you also find your own self-love. I hope you don't. Um, I hope you. I hope you find where your ego gets in your own way. I hope you can accept the things you're ashamed of. I hope you can bring some of that to to light. I hope the stuff that you feel guilty about in your subconscious. I hope you can heal that and forgive yourself and let it go. I hope you can get the strength. Seek out help if you need it. Most of all, I just want you to, I I hope that you live a life that you feel proud of. That you wanted to live. And it wasn't somebody else's concept of how you should live. And you listen to your own voice and you connect it with yourself. With that being said, it's been great talking to you. I'll talk to you next week. Peace out.